All right, Otters World Podcast. Yo, Steve Francis. A special guest from the Athletic, Matthew Gutierrez. Um, I thought uh, this is my third time doing the spaces. Um, first couple episodes was real good. And really wanted to get um, my guy Matthew on, on this third one. Um, you know, a lot of you guys was asking me for a while, when you go do the third spaces? And had a commitment from Matthew since last month, but it was all about locking down the date in February. And to be honest, I wasn't going to do the next one until I had him on because I just thought it would be cool for Q's Nation to get a chance to ch- chop it up with somebody that was on the Q's beat to pick his brain on, you know, a variety of topics, um, what it's like to cover the team, JB, the coaching staff, the players, past, present, and such. So, um, you know, I'm glad to have him on. Um, Matthew, uh, you can unmute yourself. What's what's up? <laughs> hey, good to be on, man. I, I'm a big fan of your podcast. Uh, I will say right off the bat, I don't watch the cues as much as uh, I did when I was getting paid to do so or, or yeah. as a student. Um, but I've definitely followed, followed your work and I know we've talked about it. Love, love your podcast. Just really good details and insights, especially for someone who's, who's not even on the ground, you know, it's not like you're at, at the carrier dome, um, all mm-hmm. the time. So that's a kudos to you, man. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, so, uh, before we get into it, um, you kind of, talked about a little bit of your background and stuff but just for those that aren't too familiar with you um just you know a brief um bio on yourself and everything that you've done before and what you're up to currently yeah happy to so i went to uh went to syracuse uh was at journalism and, and the business school as well really enjoyed it covered the basketball team among other sports worked my way up from uh i think it was tennis softball and covered the lacrosse team men's soccer, which was number one. The lacrosse team was also number one at the time. So pretty neat experiences uh, outside of basketball. And then covering the basketball team uh, as a student was a blast, including the the 2018 unexpected Sweet 16 run. I uh, got to, you know, miss some classes. So that was never a, a bad thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then ended up joining the athletic for, for a couple of years, covered the team. And now I'm still at the athletic on the NFL team, helping out with our breaking news coverage, helping out with the app a little bit as well. And we, we've made a big uh, transition to, to breaking news to sort of complement our feature stories on the NFL side. So um, that's what I've been up to to lately and, you know, following following your work a little bit, too. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, so uh, before before we uh get, cause guys, um, anybody that wanna get on, um, just hit the request button and we get you um, up on up on um queue and and you could have a chance to you know ask Matthew whatever you know you wanna ask him. Um, I'll just get things started on um I'm. I'm not sure the exact date when, um, you know, you were switched off the beat and such, but I know um, through our, you know, dialogues and stuff, you know, just um, touching base with each other from time to time. I think it was like before the start of the season. So obviously you was um, in tune with everything um, from, uh, you know, the end of last year to the off season and stuff and, and, uh, and, 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 before everything started this year. So I just wanted to ask you, what was your thought process on how, um, you know, with the roster, how it was constructed and 
um, the players, you know, that came along, returned, that left and such, and, and coming into the season, like, what was your thought process on, um, you know, coming into the season and, you know, from what you've been able to watch throughout the season so far where things are at right now? Yeah, so uh, the date was, I think it was August that I wrote my last piece. So definitely a good bit before the season, before classes even started, um, you know, toward the later latter part of the summer, I uh, moved away from the beat. Um, so didn't have a, a good pulse in the fall. But I will say as of the summer, I'm pretty sure most, if not maybe the whole team, I think was assembled by then, right? I don't think they had any last minute moves. So, yeah, I mean, go, going in, I think we had to even gone back and forth probably in, in one of our tech strings, but I think it was basically, you know, and pretty much agreement with you. I thought this was, you're looking at a bubble team heading into the year, um, which by the way, you know, I've, I've pretty much looked at each team the past few years that way. And it pretty much is holds true every year. Um, and who knows, maybe this year, this team makes a, a, a late rally here, but the time is definitely clicking. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just felt that was the safest bet. This is probably a bubble team. You know, I think they, they lost some key pieces that we've touched on. You've touched on it quite a bit with, you know, Quincy, Kadari notably. Um, but they added, you know, a couple decent pieces. We obviously thought Benny would probably do a little bit more early on, uh, just given what Coach Beheim had said and, and Buddy even said it uh, last spring. Uh, so that was a, a bit of a surprise to me. Again, I wasn't in the – in, in the realm in the fall. So maybe wasn't in the loop as much as uh, I would have been, but just from what I had seen from the summer and heard heading into the, uh, into last year, I thought he was going to contribute more, but anyway, yeah, I mean, long story short bubble team. I thought they had some decent pieces, but I thought they probably lost a little bit more than what they gained all of last summer. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Um, with Benny, that that's the most interesting um um guy on this team because you know I know I know you um had gone down to IMG when you were still on the beat like last season and stuff and you had checked him out like is is that one of the bigger surprises in your opinion that he hasn't panned out I mean obviously it's still early you know he's only a freshman and sometimes it takes time but you know as a you know a five star guy top twenty five top thirty prospect like is that from what you you had seen up close when you went down to IMG and checked them out and to see like how his development has been, you know, not where the fan base had expected. Is that one of the surprises or did you think that there could be some bumps in the road as the, you know, season played out? Yeah. You know, good question. I mean, definitely some, some bumps, honestly, with any freshman, right. Who's probably not a surefire lottery pick. You would expect some, some bumps and heck, even those guys might have a couple, um, but yeah, I mean, just based on, you know, first of all, I, I hadn't even really seen much of him and just, you know, uh, Jim Beheim had, had really high praise for him after the, I think it was during the sweet 16 run of last spring. Uh, you might remember the exact quote, but you know, something to the effect of he'll make an impact or a big impact even right away. Um, mm -hmm. and that's not, you know, that's not a phrase he, you know, he'll toss around with anybody, any freshman, right. Especially during, a you know, a, a an unsurprising, you know, fantastic run for a team that was, you know, just so-so for most, most of last season. And then they, for them to go on that run for him to, you know, he preys on a, on a guy coming in. I thought that was, um, you know, setting some somewhat high expectations for him. And don't get me wrong, I, I had pretty similar expectations. I thought he was uh, – he had some really good size. Uh, I remember even just seeing him in the gym. You mentioned IMG. 
down there, which is a beautiful campus, beautiful facilities. And uh, just seeing him come out of the door, he was like on the other side of the gym. And I, I was immediately blown away by his his size. And, and he just had like an, an extra couple inches that I maybe wasn't expecting. And I thought that might have helped him a little bit. He had the weight room there. Uh, I think uh, Beheim had said he'd be a few months ahead of schedule given he was at IMG. So just taking all of that together and even some of what um, Coach Adrian Autry had to say about him, they had a pretty good relationship to, to what I understand. Uh, I was expecting, you know, m- more of a contribution early, right? Maybe not a, a stud type year, but uh, not necessarily even a starter, uh, though I wouldn't have been surprised. But I thought he would have been really early off the bench pretty much from the get-go. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just for the size and, and some rebounding help and, you know, mid range, at least at high school level was sort of his bread and butter. And I just, I just felt like he was going to be a good, a good fit. So, you know, count me definitely among the people who were, who were probably a little bit on the wrong side of that. Now that said, like you, like you alluded to there, no doubt can he, um, you know, come back next year and, and, and be really, really helpful to this team. There's no doubt about that. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So, <laughs> gun to your head, you think Benny Williams sees a sophomore year at Syracuse or does he hit the portal shortly after when the season is over? <laughs> Ooh, tough one. <laughs> hey, I, you know, these are these are tough, right? Some of the guys you think that are going to bounce might not bounce, and then some of the guys, you know, and then vice versa, right? So, um, you know, with Benny, I could see it going either way. I know he had – been pretty outspoken about you know hey guys look I'm not I'm not leaving I'm gonna be here you know I'm, I'm playing the long-term game and I think you know I believe him uh that said you know a lot of guys might say that in that position right not just at Cuse but just any school right you're probably not gonna outwardly say um you know keep not make up your mind or or just say um you know I might consider my options because that's probably just not anyone you know common sense wise it's probably not the best thing to say uh, for playing time and just overall treatment in the in the current year you're in. So um, with that said, he might have just been talking, uh, but I, I tend to believe him. I'd put it, you know, at a definitely above a 50% chance he's back. Um, and, you know, I might be wrong on that, but I, I think there's probably not too much reason uh, for concern, whereas, it got, you know, guys like last year, maybe Kadari was a little bit less surprising, I think. Um, I do think Benny probably stays, but what, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a coin flip. I mean, one thing I look at okay. is that the playing time should be there, right? If you talk about uh, Jimmy being gone and Cole, if he leaves, um, like who you know, who who else is there, right? Like it's just a bunch of freshmen. So you would think year two with him being one year in the system it should be beneficial for him to, all right, now you're going to get the playing time, the options, like, you know, you, you can't really see JB just like, you know, um, shoving him to the bench ASAP to throw in a Chris Bunch or a, a, a Malik Brown that are inexperienced, right? You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I think it, it, it's, 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 it's a good opportunity for him in year two to have the playing time to at least, you know, even if he makes a few mistakes here and there or he doesn't have a good game shooting, he's going to have a much longer leash. But then again, we might not know what's going to happen in the offseason when you talk about the portal because um, I'm sure this is something you know. Like one of the things that kind of like um, got Quincy Quincy Garrier over the edge where he was decided like, all right, I'm out, 
is that they brought in Cole and they brought in um, Jimmy Jr. So, you know, we don't know if they're going to bring in a couple experienced guys out of the portal where Benny's like, okay, you know what? That leash that I thought that, you know, the extra playing time I thought I might have, it might not be there. And, you know, if you bring in a couple of guys at the same position and you have a few freshmen coming in, then, you know, that might have them thinking, you know what, you know, let me start fresh somewhere else because this whole, this is something I talked about once the new transfer rules came in that like the, the, the way how things go with how Bayham could be hard on guys and such. And with the competition, with playing time and such, and I shouldn't even just say with Bayham, but like all around in college basketball, you're going to see a lot of movement, you know, guys who would have been patient, you know, to stick around for a year or two, that's not going to, you know, like the, 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 the temperament is going to be very short with a lot of these guys, because you're not even talking about, the players, you know, you're talking with family members, coaches, handlers, like everybody want to see their guy get the playing time and, you know, um, you know, do their thing and get as m- many minutes as they can and try to get to the league and such. So it's just a whole different ball game when talking about being patient. So with Benny, you know, I don't know the whole full dynamic behind the scenes and such, but, um, you know, with how the rules are set right now, guys are going to be a little bit more impatient than they were before. So that's why I kind of put it as a, a coin flip with Benny. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, just as wait as, as the way things stand, if Jimmy and Cole are gone, then I think he's set up well to, you know, at least have an opportunity to improve and do much better his sophomore year. Because like I said, it, it takes time. Like not every player comes onto campus to a high major school and just set the world on fire. You know, a lot of times, <laughs> yeah. you know, they they need time to develop. Like, um, you know, I think you said, you know, you was around, you know, back 2016. I'm sure you remember Mike Benajay. When Mike Benajay, like, this is a great example here. When he came over from Duke, he was like kind of ranked around the same as Benny. You know, he was like a borderline McDonald's All-American, top 25, top 30 recruit. Didn't work out at Duke, came over to Syracuse, and everybody thought, you know, he would just set the world on fire right away. Struggled a bit, and then sophomore, uh, you know, the following season, didn't get off to a great start. And people were like, oh, this guy's a bust. He's not any good. He's overrated. Coach K duped um, Bayham, sending one of his, you know, scrubs over here. And then, like, the second half of the season, a light switch went off, and Mike was really good. And then, um, you know, uh, after that, the rest was history. Led the team to a Final Four and all that became a, a second-round draft pick and such. So sometimes it just takes time with um, certain players, especially, you know, um, no matter how high, highly ranked they are, whether they're a five-star guy, top 50 guy, um, three-star guy, sometimes it just, it just takes time. But with how the rules are set right now with this whole – portal situation where guys can get the one year instant waiver, you know, who knows? So, um, yeah, that's my take on with Benny, but, um, you know, uh, guys, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's the intro right now. <laughs> All the questions I have, for uh, uh, Matthew, uh, whoever, whoever want to jump in, I see some of my favorite people are, are, are listening <laughs> in. So, you know, guys hit that request button and I'll get you on, so that uh, you can ask Matthew uh, whatever you, you want to know. So uh, hit hit the request button. I'll, I'll add, Dean, real quick, going off what you just said there. I mean, if I were to, well, while you're waiting for requests, but I would just say, mm-hmm. you know, 
Benny, Benny Wise um, certainly, uh, you know, underwhelmed my expectations and I'm sure a lot of people's, but at the same time, I would certainly be buying, you know, stock in his long-term uh, potential, what, you know, at Q's or elsewhere in college hoops. I, I do definitely think he's, he's definitely got some, a skill set that could help a team at the, you know, a high major level. I just, you know, it might just take another year or two. Right. Um, so I definitely would be buying, buying right now if, if I, if, if they were available. Yeah. Um. Another question I had because it just popped up in my head. So, like, when we talk about, because this is another hot top, hot topic, and something I get asked all the time, and there's never like really a clear question for the, a clear answer for this, I should say. And it's about like life after JB, like the the successor, right? So, with you being around the team and covering them for a few years and such, and my opinion has always been, and I'm pretty sure you, you fall along the same line, that they're not going outside the family. That it's either it's 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 two <laughs> it's it's two options, right? It's either Coach Red or Coach Mac, right? So with yeah. you with your experience being around the team and such, like what I don't want to pit the two against each other. Let me let me be fair. So give me pros and cons or however you want to go about it on each guy and then if you want in the end if you were the ad if you were ad wild hack like who would you go with if you were staying in-house for the next coach to be the successor after jim Beheim retires <laughs> tough question hey for for the last one i'll say off the bat and this kind of ties into my answer overall but uh i think it it uh, maybe it's a cop-out but i think it, it's really going to be not anytime like too soon so i think it's going to be a few years out and and maybe the staff looks different maybe it doesn't but i think that's a decision that might not happen for a few years i just you know i know some some q's fans think it might happen sooner some people think it'll be later i'm in the camp of probably later i don't think uh Beheim, you know no matter how the season ends whether it's great or whether it's just kind of flat at around 500 i just don't think uh, he's going anywhere anytime soon, even past um, his, his sons. If you know, if Jimmy sticks around or, or whatever the situation ends up being, I still think he's got at least a few years left in him. Um, not only is he has he been very healthy, um, and you know he still does the Pilates and all that. I just I just think he's you know he's running the ship, and and he'll probably do it as long as basically he's physically able to, which could be you know could be a considerable amount of time, right? So. Uh, that's my thought on that, um, but yeah, to your point, definitely think they they would stay in house. I don't I don't think there's really any debate about what what uh, John Wildhack will do there. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm not sure if uh, some people are gonna be happy or disappointed with that, but um, you know, as far <laughs> as like what you know, with uh, JB decides to do or the um success, you know, because it's it's it's. It's a mixture, right? Like, you know, some people, you have a certain fraction of the fan base that are like, hey, let Beheim coach until he dies. Then there's another <laughs> fraction that's like, hey, we need change. There's another fraction that's like, hey, we're fine with it, the successor being in-house. And then there's another fraction that says, look, you have to go outside the family. Like, even bring it, like, we don't even, even if Hop had Washington rolling, it's like, no, like, we need something <laughs> different. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's, it's very uh, interesting how like divided the 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 fan base is as far as 
life after JB yeah. or just like the future of the program as such. So, um, sure. yeah. yeah. Yeah, to that point, I mean, like you said there, I, I just think Wild Hacks uh, is a Syracuse alum. He's a Syracuse guy. You know, his kids are, are here. I think one or maybe two of his sons wants to go to Syracuse or have said that or I've read that. So but to, I just think between all those factors, it's just like it's got Syracuse written all over it, whether it's GMAC or, or Coach Autry. And again, I can't really make the decision out of those two. I think we're uh, several years out. And by then, one of them might take a head coaching job elsewhere or um, just not be coaching. I don't know. You don't know, right, in a few years' time. Maybe it's the same uh, staff in, in five years, but uh, which is possible too, right? There's very little turnover, at least yeah, really ever on the Syracuse staff. So uh, guys, you guys stay, right? So uh, yeah, I, I just think it's it's half is out of the question. And I think, you know, any of those other names that have floated out there, Nate Oates is out of the question, too expensive. I don't even think some of these guys would even want to come to Q's with the current jobs and the the, the exorbitant salaries, you know, if they have coming at their way right now anyway. Um, I just think that that makes the most sense. And I, I you know, look, I think, I think Beheim is going to have a, a strong say in this, right? I don't think this is like, you know, just my opinion. I don't think this is like a solely wild hack thing. In fact, it might be a, a split decision of some sort, or maybe they, you know, when that time comes, which again, a few years away, in my opinion, I think, uh, you know, Beheim definitely, uh, whether I don't know if it's a handpick successor necessarily, but I think he definitely has a lot of a lot of say, and and you know, that, you can make a, a strong case that that's deserved, right? For for half a decade of of uh, you know quite a bit of success in Central New York. Yeah, I mean, definitely, he's he's earned the right to have a say, and you know, his opinion is going to hold a lot of weight because we, we we've seen that happen in other places, right? Like Roy yeah. Williams in North Carolina when he decided to step down. Um, you know, they interviewed a few people, but Roy Williams said, look, I want Hubert Davis, who, who was on his staff. He was like, this is the guy I want to be, you know, my replacement. And that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because the guy who apparently came in second place, who's another UNC alum, Wes Miller, he's now at Cincinnati. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, like, that plays out because we've seen UNC have their struggles. I mean, that pit. <laughs> that pit loss is not a good look. That 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 could no. be the game that keeps them out of the tournament. So I'm sure UNC fans can't be too um excited about the first year results. But it's still early in that tenor to, you know, put a harsh judgment on Hubert Davis. And then you look at Duke, right? Like Shire, you know, that's K's, you know, guy and stuff and early results when it comes to recruiting. And here goes another, no. you know, part that I want to ask you. Because I've seen, you know, Jeff Goodman said this in an interview when he was making his rounds, talking to Syracuse people and stuff. And he said um, he think it would be good for Syracuse when talking about recruiting that, look, if you're staying in-house, which everybody expect, just name the don't waste any time. Just name the successor so that the recruits know mm -hmm. that. All right. This is the guy. Because, you know, it, it's kind of silly to me, you know, in my opinion, like we're offering. 2023 2024 guys and such and nobody really knows who the coach is going to be if Beheim just plans to stick around for another year or two which you know I think the consensus is but if you're a 2024 recruit like you know Beheim yeah you know he's not gonna be around for that so it's like if, if you know you're gonna play for Coach Red or Coach Mack then that's much better than everything just being 
you know, um, a, a big, huge question mark and stuff. So, you know, like, how how you feel about that? Like, you agree with, like, Goodman or people that feel that, you know what, if you're staying in-house, you know, like, after the season or so, whenever, just, just, name, just name one of the assistants and let's, you know, keep it moving. Yeah, 100%. You know, so I – and we've talked about this too. I think I was in the in the team where I thought, look, you know, just knowing knowing Jim and, and the people around him, like he's not someone who's going to be like a huge rah rah farewell tour guy, right? I think we all know that. Um, and I don't think he he'd announced before and and want to want to make it a huge deal. I think you know, at least as of a year or two ago, I was I probably thought he'll probably just you know they'll have an announcement. Uh, right after the season or, or in the springtime and he'll give the next coach some, some, you know, heads up and time to prepare uh, for the summer. But that said, now that we've seen what, what Duke's done and how much success to your point, Shire and, and the staff have had recruiting wise, I mean, they are bringing in an incredible class, right? Um, just like no bumps in the road whatsoever with what they've got in uh, despite the transition and I think that's a really good model for, for Syracuse to follow. I think, you know, Bayheim and the, and the staff and Wild Hack would be really, would be really smart to, uh, to basically just kind of mimic that model, right? Let's give, let's give people a heads up, not just for, you know, the, the, the coach in waiting, so to speak, um, uh, benefit, right? They can sort of mentally prepare and just, and visualize and, and get things kind of mentally ready. But, but also for the recruits, I think it's the fair thing to do not only for your existing players, but for potential players down the line, being super clear, super upfront uh, and transparent is really paying dividends for, for Duke. Not to say that that can't happen with everyone. Right. I mean, it, it might not happen with, with all teams. Duke is, is obviously Duke. Um, but I think that could be, uh, you know, a model that other schools, including Syracuse, you know, might be able to, to really have a lot of success with. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, if there's any um, proactive movement from AD Wildhack on this situation because, you know, um, it makes sense that, like, if, if Bayham has it, like like you said, he's not, he's, he, he, he doesn't come across and he's, he stated this too, like, he's not with the farewell tours and everything like that. But when you talk about for the sake of recruiting and everything and just giving, the you know if you're staying in house you give that 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 coach and waiting a chance to succeed or have a good roster that's in place where like you don't get a bunch of kids committed and then Bayham says after a certain season all right I'm calling it a career and then everybody decommits and now the new coach yeah. is just like scrambling for a roster so it makes sense that like there's some kind of proactive movement where if Wahak all right you you're staying in house you're not gonna do a full search. You know, you you interview Mac, you interview Red, and you know you make the best decision. Obviously, JB will have his input, and you just take it from there. You know what I'm saying? So that that that's the most logical thing. But you know, as as we see in in the sports world, not to just you know say circles, logical yeah. movements don't always you know uh, end up being the thing. So you know, it's it's inter- It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, with uh, Beham and, you know, whether there's an early call on a successor and somebody's name a coach and waiting um, while JB coaches out, you know, his final year and such. But, um, yeah, guys, once again, anybody, request button. I see a few of you guys there. I know you're not shy. <laughs> Some of you guys hop on. I got 
my man Matthew here. I, I don't know if there's a technicality going on and stuff because the last time I did this, when all you guys was on, everybody was hitting the request button. So <laughs> I'm 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 running out of questions to keep my man Matthew entertained. So like somebody <laughs> hop on, hit the request button, or you know if if there's an issue, hit me up and let me know what's what's happening and stuff because I I I know that uh some of you guys want to join and stuff so there must be i i wonder if something's happening right now <laughs> because um you know dave like what what's up like i i know you okay okay we got we got one matthew we got one so uh let me see let me get you one oh boy wait 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 all right so all right couple of guys so dave i'm gonna hit you up get you on first and my man mr toast Hold on, you gotta come on after Dave. So let me uh get Dave in through. Uh okay. Dave, you're you're on. Can can, yeah, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay. All Perfect. right. Sorry about that. I was on mute. Um uh Matthew, great to talk to you and Dean, thanks as always for every all the good work you do. Um so this is a little bit off topic, um, but I just wanted to bring it up and Matt, get your perspective on this. So the one thing that in, in just from my observation is that our recruiting has gone down over the last five years or so. And now that we've entered the transfer portal error and then NIL, um, it still seems to me that SU seems to be a little bit slow on the uptake of NIL. And it feels like, you know, from a marketing perspective, we could, you know, we could, have a plan with respect to hiring some marketing people to talk to recruits, which may be illegal, but every, all schools are doing it. So I want to get your perspective on that and how SU could do a better job with respect to that, in your opinion, um, in order to be able to get land higher, higher top level recruits, because it doesn't seem like we've been getting them like we used to. Sure. Hey, Dave, thanks for a great, great question there. Um, yeah, so a c- couple things. Uh, first of all, on the recruiting, no doubt. I mean, that's certainly been a trend the last last two years. And look, right, they've had a couple of of near misses. You know, really going back to oh boy, you could go back a while, right? But even just going back the last few years to even Quad A Green, right? Who you know obviously didn't wasn't a huge success or anything crazy, but you know high high recruit um, sought after chooses uh, Kentucky initially out of school. I know he, he and GMAC were super close. I mean, they, Syracuse is right there for that one. Isaiah Stewart, you know, allegedly right there, right? There's probably a couple other guys, even in just the last few years, that, you know, had they go to had they gone to Syracuse, you're probably looking at a different regular season, at least in one or two of those years that were on the bubble, right? So I think that would certainly uh, maybe change the trajectory just a little bit. But that doesn't mean the overall trend wouldn't be the same, right? I think they're still – they're still a good step below where they probably should be, maybe even, you know, two full steps. Um, and just sort of like the, their average recruit, it just isn't what it, the average recruit used to be, right? To your point, forget forget five-star guys. They're just not really getting enough of the real quality four-star guys who can come in and, you know, maybe not right away, but by year two really hit the ball, uh, get the ball rolling, you know, and really contribute um, like a star and, and lead a team to, uh, you know, forget late tournament runs, just lead a team to be, you know, really lethal in the regular season, right? We haven't really had that in a long time. 
um, where it's just like, wow, Syracuse is on the schedule. If they're an opponent, you're like, damn, we got to circle that. We have to really prepare. I don't think that's what oppo- opposing teams feel anymore. Uh, I don't, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think the respect level is quite as high. I think they know of Syracuse's brand and and uh, past success. I just don't think they're they don't really have those jitters that maybe they did a few years ago when they knew they were going up against some studs and they had to really play well just to be in the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the recruiting, you know, I'm sure Dean's talked about it quite a bit. It, it's, there's a lot there that we could get to if you, if you wanted to ask more about that. Happy to, to dive in that. But uh, on, the, on the second part of that, the, the NIL, yeah, it does seem that they're a little bit behind the eight ball. Uh, that's what it seemed like when I was covering the team. But then I kind of left, uh, you know, it's been several months now. So, you know, I don't have a strong pulse. But in my opinion, uh, I don't think they're doing nearly enough. It just doesn't seem like that's really a priority. Um, and just not only men's basketball, I think in a lot of the sports, it just seems like uh, it's sort of like an afterthought. And, and for example, like last summer, I know some of the basketball recruits were were brought to campus for a t- typical uh, on-campus visit, right? And, and part of it was, you know, they had a they had a meeting with, I think, somebody in compliance or in the athletic department about NIL. And it was just sort of an ancillary part of the visit as opposed to maybe a, a more of a focal point, right? Like if you look at a Kentucky, um, I think it was a, a really in- integral part of the weekend for a recruit. So that's just one example. Obviously, you know, might be cherry picking there, but I think if uh, it probably speaks to a broader trend and a broader mindset that Q's has, and that might just be that NIL is, you know, maybe important, but it's not really a priority for them whereas other schools probably are having success by making it a priority, by telling these guys, look, here's how many uh, followers you're going to generate. Here's how many you know, dollars you might get just by doing X, Y, and Z here. Here's a roadmap. Here's a blueprint. Here's maybe a walk them through a detailed PowerPoint with their name, with their details, and, and really try to sell them in a way, right? Recruiting is, is basically a sales job. And, uh, I think, you know, Syracuse is probably missing out there and, and not just on basketball side, right? This is probably speaks to, to a few sports and, and maybe uh, the athletic department is, is making the, the moves that you suggested there. Uh, if you're a Cuse fan, you'd hope so, but this sure doesn't seem that way uh, as of late. Yeah. So, so thank you for that. Um, And that's been my, my feeling also. And again, I have no, I have zero um, insight into the university, but it does seem like they're very conservative with respect to that. And this is where my passion comes out. You know, it would be a, to me, it would be a function of hiring a couple of marketing people to actually focus on NIL and actually yeah. get that slide deck together so that you can bring recruits in and tell them, hey, look, we've had Buddy Beheim make X number of dollars this year. Um, and, and this is in the first year. So if you push out three years, Geez, you could make you could make five hundred thousand dollars. You could make a million dollars if you stay for three years, something like that. So I feel like that they they're not they're just not kind of grabbing this thing by the horns and just going with it. And and I think that's going to really if if we don't do that, I think it's going to be used against us. Number one, like Beheim's ages, and number two, it's going to be um, something that's used you get used against us because you know high school high school kids are not going to think that they're going to make enough money. And, and it could be, it could be women's softball. It could be anything like you said. So I, I just, I, 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 I just really wish, man, I wish that they would just embrace that more and that they would come out with a real strategy for helping that be a recruiting advantage for us. Cause you know, the sec is doing it 
And, yep. and, and in four years, the SEC is going to be kicking our ass in basketball all the way around. They're starting to do it now. And, and it's just, it's, there's no reason for it. So that's, yeah. that's my piece. Yeah, no, it's, that's great. I mean, we could, we could probably talk for a while just about, you know, potential solutions and, and, and whether it's the marketing or, you know, certainly Q's, Q's hoops generates a lot of money. Right. And, and that's a great thing that speaks to the, to the community um, in the, in the area and the, and the strong fan base. And, you know, they have some, they definitely have some cash, right. To deploy and, you know, add a few positions and, and really make that um, an important part of what they're, what they're selling. Cause look, we show these guys those numbers and really lay it out for them. Um, almost like a, you know, a financial planner in a way. Right. And just show them that that could, that could change a family in, in a matter of months, right. In a, in a year, uh, let's just say, or two years. Right. And that's, that can be transformative for not only the recruits life, but their family and, and their friends as well. So uh, there's just, there's a lot there, I think on the table that, that Q's can really uh, implement. And, and, you know, maybe again, maybe they're, they're working on it, but it just seems like even if they are, it's like, well, why weren't you working on it a year ago? You know? So I think that's something that, um, you know, you would assume John Wildtack, right. A former uh, executive um, would, would maybe, make more of a priority and, and let's, you know, maybe time will tell, right? Completely agreed. So thank you. And if thank you, you, if you know anybody, just, just talk to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks Dave. And, and, and check this out. I'm going to follow up on what you just said. And, 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 and Matthew, I, I'm curious to get your take on this because I've seen this certain figure around town, you know, he, he's some, a, a popular name, and you know, if, if and I think a lot of people feel, look, if he didn't have the bucks, nobody would care um, about him and such. But you know, I don't know him like that, so let me not throw any dirt on his name. But people keep saying, "Hey, why does not Syracuse use this guy?" I believe his name is Adam Wasteman. I call him the Sugar Daddy. They're saying, "Why?" You know, the guy who pretty much bought the Bayhams Army a championship. <laughs> And he's bringing in, like, you know, every time there's a home game on Saturday, he's bringing everybody besides Tupac and Biggie to the Dome nowadays <laughs> to sit beside him. And I, I think he recently said, look, I'm, I'm willing to help Syracuse bring in their next Zion and all of that. So, like, <laughs> but my thing is this, right? From what I understand with this whole NIL situation and what I've seen going on, it's not as simple as having somebody that's loaded with cash just saying to a recruit, here goes a million bucks, right? Like you have to have something like like some kind of company or some, some kind of business for the player to promote or whatever to push the product to, you know, to, to earn that name, image, and likeness, right? Like it's not as just simple as just having this guy saying, look, I, I, I'm loaded with a whole tons of cash and just come to Syracuse. I'll give you like $5 million and such. You know what I mean? Like care to explain from what you understand, like how all this stuff goes, because obviously there must be a reason why Bayheim and crew is not co-signing this guy and using him in these like NIL meetings and such. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, He he was someone I think like a lot of people I thought would, would certainly be in the mix early. And, and, you know, maybe he is behind the scenes. He's just not saying, but, you know, I think we can take his word for it. And, you know, like you said, I think in, in a piece a couple of weeks ago, he really hasn't been involved at all. Right. Was that pretty much the phrasing? 
Yeah, uh, yeah. But, you yeah, sent me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically, not involved, right? Um, yeah. Count me as one of the people who's who's surprised by that. Um, I mean, look, you know, he he's got his company in I think Owego, right? I mean, not terribly far away. You could probably do a bunch of commercials and social media ads with Syracuse guys, and you know, even if it's not from him directly, it's it's his company's you know reserves could just be. Uh, paying these Q's guys huge amounts of money, right? Like that no other school could probably compete with. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's a, that's a head scratcher for me. I don't know why. Maybe he's waiting for a, a huge recruit um, to maybe sort of work with that, that kid if he's a high schooler and, and then segue him into Q's and then, you know, make sure he's making uh, seven figures right away. I, you know, maybe that's the the plan. I don't know. He's thinking longer term than we are. And that's possible. Uh, but yeah, I think he'd be a valuable resource to deploy certainly someone with so much uh, money and seemingly influence and connections, you know, why he's not involved. Someone who sits basically courtside is, um, you know, I don't, I don't really understand it. And maybe he just doesn't want to, and that's the answer, um, which mm-hmm. is, which is respectable. But, you know, you think a huge fan like that who wants to see the team do well, who wants to see these guys do well and, and have a good career and make, and make money to support themselves and their family. You think he'd want um, to be involved, right? And use that money he has to do some good. Um, mm-hmm. Not that not that he isn't already doing doing good with charity, but to do mm-hmm. some good with the program. So yeah, I'm I'm a little bit shocked. I don't really have the the clear cut answer though as to why. To be honest yeah. with you, I, I don't think there's anything compliance wise that would that would restrict him or definitely yeah. his company, right? I mean, I feel like yeah, yeah. So, that, so yeah. what? He's friendly with the head coach. I mean, he's allowed to to you know. If Buddy, if he says, "Hey, look, can you can all the starting five? Can you guys do a commercial for me? I'll I'll give you, you know, half a million each. You know, <laughs> like I don't know why he wouldn't be able to do that." Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, when you you look at certain places, look at look at Auburn with Bruce Pearl. Like you know, you're getting five star. Like he has the number one draft pick out there. Like you you know, like you don't really see guys who are like that highly recruited going to Auburn, you know, we see our old buddy Chance Westry going down there. Like we know <laughs> that, you know, there's some financial incentive going on that these guys are going to certain places. So I know a lot of fans out there saying, Hey, like well, what's up with Syracuse? You know, we got yeah. this guy here that's spending a lot of bucks. Look, um, Giannis, Pete Davidson, like these guys aren't coming to the dome for Trump change. Like obviously this guy's paying some bucks or there's some kind of, you know, uh, um, financial relationship, business relationship going on for these guys to, you know, deal with, um, you know, this dude. So, you know, I understand why a lot of Q's fans are saying, hey, what's happening? Why are we not using the sky to help get some high caliber recruits? But, you know, um, from what I understand with the whole NIL situation, everything like that, it's not as just simple as him just saying, all right, what's your price? And you know what I mean? Like, here, you know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah. has to be something that's laid out in the sense of how these guys can market themselves and benefit off the name, image, and likeness. So, um, I'm going to bring in my guy, Tony Toast. This, this is one of my one of my good buddies here coming up, Matthew. And anybody else cool. that want to come on after him, just hit the request button and I'll put you on. So, uh, let me Sounds uh, good. get him quick, on. Quick interjection real quick before Tony okay. comes on. Just to your point, I mean. Look, part of the packages, I'm sure, for some recruits is going to be, look, you know, here's here's a place in town where you can stay or here's a home or, you know, where your family can stay. Like there's all sorts of 
you know, whether they're they're public or, or sort of under the table type deals like that that are that are happening and have been happening, right? Where where guys mm-hmm. are helping out families and so I think that's also part of the, the overall NIL uh, package. Yeah. I a hey, toast. Uh, hi Dean. Hi Matthew. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Yes. All right. I had a three part question. Part one: Had Jesse Edwards not been injured, do you think this team could have continued its winning streak, potentially enough to get on the bubble or even into the tournament? Part two, related question, is what do you think Jimmy and Buddy's mindset is after creating this dream scenario, coming to fruition, playing in their hometown for their dad, but on a team that's not going to make their tournament? Their one chance. It's like they, they achieved this dream but are falling short. I was just wondering what you think they're going through mentally. And my third part of the question is, uh, had this team retained Kadari Richmond, Quincy Garrier, and Woody Newton and or Robert Braswell, how do you think this team is faring currently record-wise? Thank you. Wow, great questions. A lot right there. Um, good stuff. Uh, so, yeah, for number one, um, I'm interested in actually some of Dean's take on this too. But so for number one, yes, um, I think this team, you know, again, I haven't been following every game, but, um, and, and again, not covering the team anymore. I do think they would, just as a, an opinion though, I think they would be um, playing quite well. The way he's come on has been documented, you know, quite well. And, happy for him who's worked really hard you know roosevelt Bowie is in his corner he's got a ton thomas in his corner he's got some you know legit guys who have made a lot of money and, and played professionally um on team jesse right and have been and been sort of with him so to see him sort of shine a little bit here you know obviously he's not a perfect player but to see him really evolve has been nice to see and absolutely i think that combined with as Dean and I were even just talking uh, before before air, I think, you know, it's been a weaker part of the schedule. So with Jesse, I think they really would have been able to capitalize on that. You know, you got BC again, who's just, you know, whatever. I mean, a lot of these teams are just kind of like, I don't know, a no man's land, I, I feels like to me, aside from Duke and, you know, maybe UNC a little bit before their loss to Pittsburgh tonight, which is a head scratcher. Um, there's just a lot of teams that are just kind of in the wasteland, right? That don't really know what they are didn't really have a great year, maybe got hit by, by the portal a little bit hard or, or injuries. So there's a lot of those types of teams. But, yes, I definitely think they'd be in a much better spot with Jesse. Would they be in the tournament with him? Obviously hard to say, but you can't rule it out. Never can with Syracuse. I've you know, certainly been wrong. I've been among those people, you know, mid-February. They're, you know, barely, uh, you know, treading water and, you think they're done, and then all of a sudden they're in the second weekend of the tournament. So, uh, wouldn't count them out if Jesse were in it, but you know, I would definitely have to play it safe and probably say, "Look, they're not going to the tournament, even if Jesse's healthy." Uh, but to your to your first part of that, definitely think they'd be a better, uh, certainly a better spot overall. And you know, hey, maybe they have a nice little streak going into the, the conference tournament. Um, so, second question as far as mindset, um, you know, I can't speak for them, but. You know, if that were me, I'd, I'd probably feel a little guilt, maybe uh, certainly disappointed uh, in myself, certainly frustrated with myself, maybe, um, uh, you know, share some frustration with the fan base, I think. And, you know, they probably wouldn't maybe go out and say that publicly or, or go too in-depth on personal feelings like that. But I, I do think that's probably just a natural thing, right? Forget, um, you know, them personally, just as like a natural human reaction, right? You had this sort of, ideal thing set up and that's great for for the family and and certainly deserved 
Uh, I just think that you would certainly naturally feel, you know, like you let people down a little bit, at least. Um, and that's, again, not to say the season is over. I just think that'd be a natural human reaction in that uh, position. Um, and then would you remind me your third question? Oh, um, um, yeah, Matthew. Um, I, I actually wrote it down real quick. When oh, you perfect. Three parts. So I wrote than it me. down. <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. I got a pen. Yeah, I came prepared. I came prepared. But um, no, he was basically talking about if like the marquee, the main guys return for the season, mm. like everybody that left, like Quincy, Kadari, you know, Woody Newton, Braswood. Like if those guys came back, like the key pieces came back, like would this um, you know, how how the season would have been, like if if we would have been like one of the top teams in the ACC in the country and such. Yeah, hard hard to say, obviously, again, because you know those guys are back, but you're probably losing some production of what you have right now, um, right? But you know, I think if they pretty much kept last year's team intact, I still think they're probably on the bubble, which I guess is better than what they're at now, but but maybe sort of what they've been in the past, right? Which is bubble, but kind of more skewed toward in rather than out, right? And, you know, they've gotten in pretty much, I think, 75, 80% of the years over the last few decades. So, like, normally they're going to be in. It might not be pretty, but they're going to get in to the tournament. And I think that's probably what, what we would have seen, right? Maybe a couple, uh, you know, two, three, four wins better, um, you know, I'm certainly you know, a little biased toward, toward Kadari. I think he, you know, he's a special player, um, and was special at Cuse. Uh, I think his defense would have really helped, like forget the, the playmaking ability, um, and his ability to free up Joe and Buddy, I think would have been tremendous, but, uh, and Cole Swider actually from three, but I just think, you know, Kadari defensively would really help a team that needs just a lot of help on defense, right? They don't have the length or quickness which, you know, has been talked about quite a bit. So not to harp on that, but just I think they have him. You know, I don't know how much Woody and Robert realistically would have played. I don't know the impact they would have made. Um, I think Jimmy and Cole probably still play play over them and, and heck, maybe even Benny. Um, I just, yeah, whatever happened with Woody and Rob, they just didn't really get a ton of time. Although to, to Braswell's credit, he did get some some key minutes late last season, right? I mean, that was that was huge for him. Um, so yeah, long-winded way of saying I just, you know, maybe a, t- a couple wins better with all those guys back. I don't think it would make it a whole different Syracuse team or or make them all of a sudden second in the ACC. Yeah, good, good, good stuff, good stuff, Matthew. Um, Toast, you got anything else, or, or that's it? Oh, uh, he he went off. All right. Um. So anybody else that want to join in? Oh, okay. He he coming back on. Uh, let me see. Yeah. One more follow up question and one comment. My question was well, actually I would say there are two comments rather. No questions. My comment the first is that had Jesse stayed healthy, this team would have been very dangerous in the tournament. All you need, you know, this is the type of team that Gerard and Buddy catch fire at the right time and Cole, like this team could have made a run in the tournament. It's the annoying part had they just been able to get in. My second comment is uh, going to the conspiracy theorist. I did not see Jesse Edwards get hurt in that game against BC. I didn't see him favoring his wrist. I believe this is some sort of fake injury going full conspiracy theorist. Dean Francis, what's your take? <laughs> <laughs> hey Matthew, this this why is my guy right here. Cause <laughs> always going with like he's he's the master of conspiracy theory. 
Hey, hey, so, so mute yourself, because there's a lot of background
Oh, okay. Yeah, because it was just weird. Because I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. At the, I, I think when we were winning, I think I, like, turned it off, you know, like, the last minute and a half or whatever. So I didn't even, like, realize, you know, like, nobody didn't say anything. Like, oh, man, you know, Jesse, Jesse got hurt or whatever. So, you know, I went into the following day thinking... You know, just like most people, that is, you know, whatever. And then news came yeah. out. And it was like, what? Well, yeah. and there was. I looked at footage of it. He just landed awkwardly trying to break his fall. So that was that. Um, now, uh, appreciate the mic, uh, Dean. A question for Matthew. Uh, kind of getting off the subject and onto what he actually did uh, for a living uh, on the beat for for Syracuse basketball. Um, it's no. It's it's really no secret that uh, Jim Beheim takes a different tone in his post-game press conferences with the beat writers than he does with the national media. There's definitely some kind of acrimonious relationship going on. I mean, even to this day with people like Donna DeTota and, um, you know, Mike Waters, who are very respected, he, he could be very curt with them. He could be even borderline rude with them. And I'm wondering if you felt that in your time on the beat and also did Bayheim's, like I said, acrimonious relationship with those beat writers, did that color the way you ask questions? In other words, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're going to say, oh, I was intimidated of Jim Bayheim, of course, but did it kind of change the way you would ask questions because you know he would be, you know, a certain way, uh, would give kind of rude responses from time to time? I'm just wondering if you, if you felt that and if you agree with that. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, for the question, and thanks for clearing up the uh, the Jesse uh, injury there for all of us. I didn't I didn't know that either. So good to get that explanation and, and dismiss the the conspiracy. <laughs> Sorry, uh, who was that, Tony? <laughs> um, who I don't know. It sounded definitely sounded like he was in, in Midtown Manhattan or something. But uh, um, stuff there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know where. But uh, sounded busier than I lived. I used to live downtown Q, so definitely wasn't that. Uh, wasn't that packed, but no. So as far as like, yeah, obviously it's, um, it's certainly been written about the, the relationship, you know, he has with, with local guys, you know, I don't really know the, the, the ins and outs, the psychology behind it. I've, I was a, basically in Syracuse for, you know, including school, uh, you know, basically seven years, six years. So I don't have the full 40 plus, um, uh, of understanding, but, but yeah, I think there's no doubt he's a little harder on the local guys. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, could be just that he's sick of seeing us, you know, every day. That might have been part of it, or maybe there's something else um, at play, or he doesn't like what gets what gets said or written. Um, that might be part of it as well. Um, yeah, you know, look, like a lot of people, at, especially as a student, and you know, it's worth mentioning. Sometimes half of that press room is students, just with not only Newhouse but just a lot of people at QS are kind of more basketball oriented, obviously, and, and want to get a press pass or, or have their own blog or podcast. And so that room is, if I had to put a percentage on it, I think it's some, some games, it's like half student, half professional. So I think, you know, like a lot of students early on, I was a little intimidated for sure. Um, so I will, you know, I'll definitely say that. Um, and I think over time you hopefully build, you know, a little bit of confidence. You start asking some questions, maybe you get shot down or, or roasted once or twice and, you know, it hurts in the moment, but in the long run, you just kind of have to have to just uh, keep moving forward and, and, and keep a still face and just try to do your job and, and not really worry about that, uh, not let it deter you. So um, that's probably the, the best approach, something I try to do. And then, yeah, to the other part of your question, though, which is in, which is maybe more interesting, 
Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it definitely affects the the types of questions asked, the number of questions asked. I do think, you know, I'm not going to point anybody out at all, but I think just generally um, among uh, the media base, there might be a tendency to, you know, maybe hold back on a question because you know it might not get a a a response anyone's looking for. You know, you might get a maybe a personal jab, or you just know you're not going to even get an answer. It's going to be sarcastic or a non-answer or, or just some other uh, filler that's not helpful. And so you're like, you know what, I'm not even going to ask. So I think there's definitely some of that as well, um, both among students and, and professionals. Um, and I, I'm not, you know, criticizing the way anyone chooses to do their job. I'm just saying, I think that's what I've observed is that um, because of some of his, you know, answers, especially in a tough year like this or after a loss, um, you know, understandably, these guys are emotional after a game, like pretty much any sport. And I think they, they, they might come out and say things they might not say on like a Monday morning if we were to have a cup of coffee, right? So um, I think th- there's a few different things at play there. But, but absolutely, I do think, you know, because of the answers he gives, you know, we might we might hold back a little bit. Uh, I think that's that's the human nature at play. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, thanks, Vince. Thanks for um. So, hey, hey, Vince, wait, come, Vince, hop, hop, hop back on. I'll meet yourself. Let me ask you something. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, so because this is going back to um one of Tony's questions when he talked about with um Jesse's situation and the team moving forward if he didn't get hurt and if we would have had a chance at the tournament. So the way I look at it, and, you know, I had said this on one of my pods that, like, all right, when they went on the four-game winning streak, the Tech game was tricky. But if they win that, and then when you have BC and Georgia Tech coming up, that's when, and I'm not sure if you felt the same, that's when I would I really would have started taking them seriously and saying, oh, wow, okay, like, maybe, maybe there's something here. Because then you have the last four where you can – build an actual resume where you're playing at Notre Dame, which looks like if the tournament started today, they would be in. Then you have Duke at home, and you know with K coming in, Dome, it's it's, it's going to be rocking, right? Like, that, that game is going to be crazy. And then you're at North Carolina. I mean, you know, like, their situation not looking too great, but, like, it's a road game. And then Miami at home, another team that if the tournament started today, they they might be in. So, like, did you feel the same that if um, Jesse didn't get hurt and they didn't lose to Virginia Tech, that, like, if they won that game, healthy Jesse, we would have been, you know, like, Hughes Nation, like, everybody would have been excited again? Or you think, like, we just, uh, you know, like, too much of a hill to climb to, like, like it would have had to been ACC tournament or bust? I think if we, uh, yeah, I think if we beat Virginia Tech, then we had a lot of winnable games, and then uh, you, you've kind of laid it out there. There were definitely a few games that would have been resume boosters down the stretch, especially, obviously, Duke, Notre Dame, and Miami. Uh, but I just think, yeah, I think if we if we beat Virginia Tech, I think we could have maybe had one more loss down the stretch in the regular season, and then I still think – you know, I'm trying to do the math. I'm trying to remember how many games we would have in the regular season. I think it was uh, 31 total. So let's say we were like 19 and 12 or something like that going into the ACC tournament. Then I think if we won one or two more games, I think we would have probably had a legitimate shot. But 
uh, you know, now it's neither here nor there because we lost to Virginia Tech. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> at 13 and 12, uh, I think we're in trouble. But I think, yeah, I think we could have, if we beat Virginia Tech, I think we could have sustained one more loss in the regular season and then had a legitimate chance because that would probably mean that, you know, I have to assume that we'd have to beat Duke, though, to, to really boost our resume because Virginia Tech uh, would have been right now our only quad one win. And that's, you know. Mm-hmm. That's not sufficient. Yeah, but yeah, I think there would have yeah, been optimism, and now it's it's kind of shot down. And now I'm just I'm in the camp that I'm just hoping we have a winning season to keep the streak alive. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you think there's a chance at the NIT, or do does anybody care at this point? Like, does it matter to you? I think there's a chance. I think that you know, though the NIT will take Syracuse. Uh, if we're eligible, based on just name recognition and the ability to put some people in seats. Um, but you know, if we did go to the NIT and I think that we would probably take a bid, accept a bid there. Um, I really, I don't, I know it's JB is always in the win now, you know, win the next game mindset. So he probably wouldn't do this, but if I were him, I would play Benny Williams a lot of minutes and try to help help him get some confidence the next year. It's not going to happen, but that's what I would do. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's like what what you have to lose at this point, right? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, because when 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 you start seeing, because I was oh, after when Jesse got hurt, um, somebody asked me, "Oh, yeah, this is a great opportunity for you know Benny to get a lot of playing time and stuff." And I said, "Look, knowing JB, JBA might be the one getting more playing time than Benny." You know what I mean? Like we not might not know. It's like like a game by game basis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So I right, thanks thanks Vince for um jumping on and stuff. Um, thank you. You know uh yeah no problem. So anybody else that want to get on um um Matthew I I got a, I got another question for you Matthew um unmute yourself. Real yeah quick. definitely. Yeah yeah. So since you know you're around, there's a few guys and you go find this interesting because there's there's a few names that I want to throw at you. Like this is like an NBA related question or. You know, just from seeing guys in college and, you know, how it's turned out for them in the NBA. And I, I've seen a lot of O'Shea, Brissett, just like giving people the business right now. And just knowing, and I know, you know, you you, you obviously was around the kids that time. I don't know if he was a student around the time when he was there or if he was, you know, um, you know, working on, on, on the beat by then. But seeing how he's progressed and then how a guy like, Tyler Lydon kind of came and went and how Elijah Hughes has, you know, struggled to, you know, uh, make a mark. I mean, hopefully it works out for him in Portland because he should be getting some playing time on a team that just has like a, you know, a young squad and, you know, basically like G League guys and bench guys or whatever in the rotation. So like from what you saw with O'Shea during those times, like are you surprised to see his progression and how like a guy like Tyler Lydon, who was a first round pick and, Elijah, who was like the ACC leading scorer, struggled. Like, what's your what's your take on those three guys? Yeah, good question. Um, I go. I thought immediately of something Malachi Richardson said a little bit after his NBA career, which was basically he said, "Look, like it doesn't really matter so much where you get drafted, right? Like everyone wants to be Lotto, or everyone wants to be, you know, who's slated to be second round. They want to go in the late first round, or if they're a borderline pick." Or if they're a late second rounder on paper, they want to go early second. You know, everyone wants to go like early, 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 as early as possible, which, you know, might be some some better upfront money. But really what what matters, and this is what Malachi said, and I think he's spot on, is is like where you go, right? And the timing and the fit. 
And so it's great if you go higher, but if they're loaded at your position, you, you're out of luck and you might be missing out on a couple of key years of development by being on the bench. Whereas you could go mm. to a, uh, you know, a fringe playoff team or, or just a, a bad team, but really get some huge opportunities. So uh, certainly think that's at play with really all three of those guys, different degrees. I think um, with O'Shea, he's, you know, maybe I, I don't know those guys incredibly well, but from what I saw, I think he's the hardest worker of those three. So I think that helps him. And look, I mean, I remember, yeah, I was a student when he was, um, we overlapped uh, two years. And I think he, so we, we used to have, I don't know if they still do this, our student ID could get us into the Mellow Center like on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. So sometimes it didn't happen a ton of times, but we would have pickup a, a little bit instead of Flanagan, Jammer or Archbold, and uh, obviously Mellow Center's, you know, a little nicer and more fun. Uh, so we'd get in there, and there were a couple times, it was a Thursday, maybe 8.30, 9.30 p.m., that they opened it up, and O'Shea would be in there, you know, the only player there, working working his tail off, getting shots up. He was working with somebody not on staff, because, A, that wouldn't be allowed with the restrictions, but also, B, you know, I think he wanted some outside counseling as well, just a different perspective on his game. And he he was working on his shot the entire time. Uh, I think he worked incredibly hard, and I think that work ethic really carried him to where he's at now. I don't think he was a guy who, you know, his opportunities were scarce right out of school. I don't think he was sulking on the bench. I, I certainly don't think he was just going home after practicing games. I think he was really busting tail, and he was probably maybe had a little bit of a chip, but I think he really was like, you know what, if they're not going to play me, I'm going to prove them all wrong. And I think that that drive really helped him and I think he's deserved all that he's gotten. Um, he was always super courteous in the locker room. Um, a great person to talk to after games, even after losses. O'Shea was one of the guys I would always go to. I knew he wouldn't, you know, have have a towel over his, over his uh, face. And I know he would, he would look at me in the eye and talk to me, you know, or, or other reporters for that matter and, and tell you what happened. Right. And, and he'd be honest. Hey, look, I didn't really play well. I didn't make the right decisions. And he, he was so upfront about that. I think he really understood his game. Um, you know, he still has some, probably some room to grow and he'll be the first to tell you that, but just blown away by, by what he's been able to do. Definitely a, a big fan of him as a person and player. Um, but yeah, with, with, uh, with Tyler, I don't know as much. I just, all I do know, he got a lot of heat for leaving Syracuse after his sophomore year. And I'm look, I'm like, look, if you want to do that, collect your check. That's your passion. That's your dream. You go do that. I'm not, you know, I don't think we're in a position to, to say you should stay and, and try to make a deeper run. Cause you know, he, at that point you probably are who you are as a player, right? I don't know if him staying at Syracuse for a junior year is necessarily going to make him a better pro down the line. You know, I just think for a lot of these guys, you're, you're the player you are, you have the traits that you do. He was a, definitely had the physical, uh, qualities of an NBA guy. Um, so it made sense, I think, if you're him. And he went for it. And the other thing from all I've heard the past couple of years is he's super happy with his life despite not playing in pro ball. So for some of these guys, it's it's not necessarily NBA or, oh, man, I made a horrible mistake. My life stinks now, right? I think they can, you know, be happy with that check, a little experience, and heck, maybe he, he gets to do a bunch of fun things uh, on his own. Uh, but out of you know, bottom line, out of all those guys, I just think work ethic and 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 the why 
O'Shea had both of those things, and I don't know if everyone has that at a school. Okay, so you 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 think there's a chance um with this latest trade to Portland, Elijah has a, a, a opportunity to turn it around because he's one of the guys I thought like his jump shot was just so smooth, and I thought mm-hmm. as like a three and D guy, like he like the right opportunity because that's that's important what you said. What well, Malachi said, a lot of times it's not where you pick, it's 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 the right fit, like the right team, the right fit. And hopefully now with an opportunity, Elijah has a chance because in Utah, like they just had, you know, like too many guys, like their rotation was basically set. And that's like a veteran team, you know, a top, what, two, three seed in the West and stuff like that. So they're not trying to develop, you know, a rookie or a second year guy. So, but, you know, I I was just like, man, coming out, I really thought Elijah, Mm -hmm. not saying he would have been a superstar, but just like a rotational player that can, you know, knock down some corner threes and such. You know, I I I, I was really high on him coming out. Like, are you kind of so? What I shouldn't say surprised that things have, but like, do you think things can now that he's on the move? You know, he's on a new team, better opportunity. You think he could turn things around, or you know, it, it's kind of iffy. Yeah, no, good point. Forgot to mention E. Definitely, he he. I was thinking of him when I kind of made that point with with Malachi earlier. I didn't even say that, but yeah. So uh, definitely with 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 him. I don't know if, if that was a perfect fit. Uh, obviously, being a part of a, a very very good team probably isn't going to help unless you're just a star out of high school or college. So, yeah, I think him being there uh, gives him a lot of opportunities. And I think just some confidence, too. Like, you know, it's, it's more of a clear path for him that he can see for himself. And, you know, he's got a couple of years under his belt now. He's comfortable with everything. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he pulls an O'Shea or or something, just maybe a slightly lesser degree, and just really kind of gets a nice fit and just has a really nice role. Not necessarily a starter, certainly not an All Star, but but someone who just has a good role on it's you know on a not very good team and and really kind of comes into himself a little bit. And like you said, E smooth shot. Loved watching him warm up before before games he uh he's a fun one to watch great backstory um another good guy to to talk to um in the locker room and get to know he has a really good family so i think his why is also there um and he's just trying to have fun out there he doesn't overthink it like i i talked to him a couple times about it and he he's so simple uh, in his mind he's never overthinking it he doesn't he has hardly any thoughts going on in his head when he's playing it's really just let my talent, let my, let all the work I put in, kind of do its thing, um, and, and it, it he just plays so free, which is uh, I think would help him as to your point as someone who can kind of come off screens, catch and shoot, and as a shooter, you know, to not be a someone who's thinking all the time is probably your, the best thing, right? You don't want to be out there uh, overthinking it, and I think that's a great quality he has too. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna try again. Um, see if a couple more have anything to um say, and then I'll let you go. Um, Lucas, I saw you know you had requested a few minutes ago. If you want to come back on, I get you back on. But um, you know anybody else that um want to chime in, try get a couple more, and then you know I let Matthew go. Um, hey Matthew, I, I appreciate you you know taking the time out doing this. Um, it's really gone well so far. You know, we locked in over an hour and a change, about to go 90 minutes and stuff. So I appreciate you, um, you know, taking the time out to do this and talk to Q's Nation and all that good stuff. 
Yeah, a pleasure. Thank you. We're all spoiled, man. I mean, you're uh, a fantastic, you got a fantastic podcast. Um, I'm sure everyone on here uh, knows that. Um, but you were, yeah, going to keep heaping praise on you, if, you know, even if I don't have to. Yeah. So, and I'm not just saying that. Um, you know, you've yeah, had all the yeah. intel, especially on the recruiting, man. I mean, you're really, you're, you're pretty dialed in on that, that front, which um, I think Q's fans appreciate, you know, that, that perspective that's not just hey, this recruiting visit went well. Well, you know, what? which doesn't, right? You know, they all do. But, yeah. but to really get some good insight on the family, the mindset, uh, where they're coming from, what angles are they looking at, um, that's really neat. Yeah, I mean, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, I always just try to bring from the get-go just, a, a, you know, a unique perspective because, um, as you mentioned, like when the, you know, recruiting visit go on, it, it, it's the basic, right? Like it's like, oh, yeah, great time. Um, bonding with the staff, have fun, you know, like they all tell everybody the same thing. So I always try to come, you know, find as much um info behind the scenes stuff I could gather and stuff and just like let people know the real because there's so much misinfo that goes out there. And it's like, you know, it's funny where like some people that maybe are not tuned in or they get the info from a certain other outlet or whatever they're always surprised when we don't get a certain recruit, especially when it's like a top 10, top 20 guy. And I'm like the first to say like, chill out guys. Like we, we don't have a shot. Like we're not getting this person. Like even if they come on campus and they hype up, you know, everything, you know, the facilities and how they had a great time with the coaching staff. And, you know, or, or here goes the, the, the famous line that I learned since I was like a teenager. Syracuse is my dream school. Like, we have, like, a small percentage of landing those guys. So that's kind of like the kiss of death. Like, anytime a kid says Syracuse is my dream school, like, we are we have, like, a 10% chance of getting him. So, like, it's, <laughs> it's always been, like, my thing. It's just, just try to find out the real, let people know what's up, you know, whatever I can share. Because, obviously, you know, when you talk to certain sources, they're like, oh, you know, don't let this, that, the third out, whatever. So, you know, you try to be selective of what you put out. But... You know, I always proud of myself of just trying to be, you know, accurate of, you know, what I put out there and just letting people know, you know, the real and, and, and not try to just, you know, try to piggyback off what this person's saying, that person's saying, or just like whatever the recruit, because the, the recruit themselves is kind of like the worst person to follow and, you know, take the lead off what they're saying and stuff. Because, they, you know, they'll, they'll like take everybody for a ride along and have everybody gassed up that they're going there. Like, you know, if they ain't list five schools, they're going to hype up all five schools to a recruiting analysis or whatever. And, you know, everybody think he's going there and stuff. So I always try to just pride myself of, you know, just giving everybody, you know, being a certain plug for Q's nation and, um, you know, being, being, being their go-to guy when it comes to the recruiting stuff and such. But like, you know, your, your work, what you was doing at the athletic, you know, well, I really appreciate about you, especially last season, when there was like so much going on, it was like a tough year because it was like the COVID season. And, you know, I know you was probably limited to what you could do and stuff or whatever, but it was still an interesting season. You know what I mean? Like game in, game out. It was still like a lot going on. And you was kind of like the voice for the fan base where when we had like this whole, you know, the Kadari versus Joe situation or when you know, see um you know jesse have a good game early on but then he has like nine to ten straight dnps you know what i mean like a lot of stuff happening and you would be the one asking the question to Bayham, like hey you know what's up like why you know these decisions are being made or whatever and it's like 
you know, that's not you trolling. That's not you trying to find, you know, like, you know, being a hot take guy or whatever. Like, you're like, this is the consensus, what's going on with the fan base and the questions that we're asking that we would want to ask JB if we we were if if we had a chance to ask him after a game about certain decisions or whatever that's going on with the team. And, you know, obviously, you know, he wasn't too happy with you asking him at, at certain points. And, you know, Vince... Um, you know, Vince asked you about, you know, how, you know, JB's treatment with local reporters and such, but I always appreciate that, you know, like, no filter, like, you gave zero fucks, like, you you know, you, you asked what you had to ask, and how would JB respond, and it is what it is, you know what I mean, like, you, you know, you wasn't afraid, you know, especially you being a young guy, you wasn't intimidated or whatever to, like, you know, ask what, you know, everybody wanted to know and stuff, so I always appreciate that about you, so, um, you know, I was glad to have you come on. Um, you know, guys, you know, uh, any any anybody want to say anything real quick before uh, we head on out? I'm, I'm gonna try to give thirty seconds, and you know, if 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 not, then um, we'll we'll call it a day, and um, you know, maybe later on at a certain point, you know, sometime, you know, we we'll get Matthew back on. But um, guys, uh, you know, what's so- oh, Dave, you back on? Yeah, I just okay. want to say so. So Matthew, I, I completely agree. So I, I went to Purdue, and they're obviously having a good year this year. And I looked for a podcast, which was similar to Dean's, and and I couldn't find it. And I'm not kissing Dean's butt here, but <laughs> his analysis, and especially on the recruiting side of things, I've looked, and I can't find anything on Purdue. And that's a school of you know 40,000 kids. So while I'm a Purdue fan, I tried to look. I couldn't find it. So it's really kind of cool to have – you know, Dean do this kind of stuff and to be able to do the d- deep dig, which other schools don't dip, dig and do. And that's a, that's a big 10 school, which with a lot of kids and, you know, they don't do it. So I completely agree with you. So, you know, you know, Dean, you're great. Do a great job. And, you know, Matthew, great, you know, great stuff. So appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, um, Dave, um, since you're talking about Purdue, I mean, what you think? You think they're championship quality or you think there's some flaws there that might, you know, oh. slow them up from hoisting that trophy? There, there's there's one letter, D. Defense. Mm. Yeah. Defense. They just, you know, I, I, I like them and, you know, we, you know, they just, they, they, with their defense, I just, they could get to the Sweet 16, but with that defense, I just can't see him going further. They they can score like crazy, but but they just can't. They cannot shut down guys. So they need, you know, they need that defensive stopper, which can take you know another team's best player and just shut them down. They don't have that. Mm-hmm. So you know, if 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 they could, if they could figure out a way to fix that defense, but it's too late in the year. So. If they made it to three sixteen, that would be good. Um, their offense is incredible. I wish JB would look at their offense and look at the motion and the ball movement and just kind of mimic that a little bit. But they don't have mm-hmm. the players this year to do it. In the past, they have, but mm-hmm. this year they just don't have it. So, you know, it's it's one of those deals where if they could, if they could, you know, pull together a defense, they could make it. They could be in the Final Four. They could win a national championship if they could hold teams down to less than 75 points, but that's a problem. They can't do yeah. that. You know? well, one of the things that concern me, and you know, let me know if you agree, is that outside of Ivy, I'm not sure if they play against like a strong pressure man D, 
I'm not sure if like guys are gonna get the open looks and be and have. I know they got the two bigs inside and stuff, but like I'm talking like the guards, the wings and stuff. Like because you gotta have good guards and wings that can get the ball inside and make those um, entry passes and stuff. If they play like a strong defensive team that can guard them up outside of Ivy, I'm kind of concerned that like where's the offense gonna come from? You know. So I completely agree. Um, Ivy, it's so funny that you say that because there's been a lot of games where I'm like, Oh my God, just put Ivy at the point and forget about the other two point guards and just let him bring it down and then just start the offense. Um, but yes, that that's a problem too. There, there are other two guard point guards, Thompson and Hunter. They're very, they're just skinny and kind of weak with the ball. So that hurts them. So that's when they need to push it over to Ivy and let him do it. Um, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out the rest of the way. It should be very intriguing how it plays out. I can't wait to see how the bracket comes out and what well, we're like, well, a month away or, or less than a month from yeah, Selection Sunday. So yeah. it, it should be um, fun to see how it plays out. So, all right, Dave, thanks for um, checking in and I appreciate your insight as always. Yeah. Thank you, too. All right. All right. All right so, Matthew. So, Matthew, we're going to um, close things up unless somebody pops up real quick. But just like, um, you know, with, we were talking with Dave with uh, Purdue, like real quick, and your thoughts from what you've been able to see so far in NCAA ball. Is there like an early championship um, pr- um, prediction with a, a team that you've seen that, you you know, you say, wow, like this team is really good. And you look at them as a not just a final four, but a championship favorite. Anybody that jumps um, out at you? Man, I really don't have one. Uh, I will say for two two reasons. Um, one being, you know, I'm on the NFL team now, so I've been mm. super uh, tied up with that and following that, and then we just had the Super Bowl, obviously. So now, though, um, it is mid-February, right? And it means March is coming up, which is a great time. Uh, just as a as a fan, I you know I'm excited to to do the whole bracket thing and. And, you know, sit, on the, sit by the screen the first couple of days. So um, I don't I, I honestly am not even informed enough. I haven't been following it, to be honest, to really know, like, who would be a surefire mm-hmm. title team. Um, that said, I am, as, you know, cliche as it might be, I am totally someone who would root for I root more for the people, the, a couple individual players slash coach than uh, than a whole team. So. Um, I'm just, I, I love the, the great stories that we see in March. Um, and I'm on team, good story. So, um, whatever team has that, and I'll, I'll fi- figure that out in the next couple of weeks. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, though. <laughs> uh, okay. Who do you have, though? Oh, man. I mean, right now, it's uh, like, like, well, Dave was saying with Purdue, like, they have a lot of good players and stuff. They have a, you know, a really good guard that might go top five in the, in, in the NBA draft. They have a couple of big men, like one guy that's like seven three, that's a monster inside, and another like white. Uh, uh, think of, uh, I'm sure you remember Orenze on the Waku at Serp. They have a guy that's like the size of him, but much more skilled. But um, you know, like they've said, like defensively, you know, like it depends on the certain matchups that that could be the problem in March. So it depends on how the bracket plays out for them and who they end up playing uh, uh, as far as um, how far they can go. But, um, you know, I see, t- you know, 
Duke on a certain day, you could watch them and you say, man, this team is really good because they have like, what, four pros, like four guys that could be lottery picks that's on that squad. But, you know, you kind of worry if they have the death at the guard position, you know, the league, the point guard situation concerns me. And obviously them being a young team, uh, you have Gonzaga, which is really good, but they're always good. But then it's like, how much of that is a product of playing like a JV competition, a conference, right? Like they blow yeah. in everybody out by like 30 and then when you you know sure you might win the first couple of rounds in a tournament because you're a one seed so you have favorable matchups but once you get to the sweet 16 elite eight final you know final four, you start playing some real teams you know like who, who knows what's going to happen with them you know i was really high on baylor early in the season but they have had some injuries so they're kind of like falling apart um arizona is really good but you know i have to see more of them i'm not you know i'm you know i'm I'm pretty sure you were the same when you were covering basketball. Um, um, the Cuse, you weren't staying up to one o'clock to watch Pac-12 games. So like, I only no. <laughs> see so much of these Pac-12 teams. You know what I'm saying? Like, even you know, I'm like, it's no secret, I'm a big Mike Hopkins guy, but I probably could count on like one finger how many late night Washington games. Like, the only time I see Washington play is like maybe on the weekend if they have like a six, seven o'clock in the afternoon game or like a Saturday or something like that. So. Um, you know, it's really tough to get a read on, you know, Arizona, but they're really good this season and stuff. So it's 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 one of these seasons where it, it's not really one team. It might be like seven, eight teams that can like really win the whole thing. So I, I guess it's more like whoever is hot at that time, because a lot of it is momentum, right? Like you go into March, it, it's, it's who's really riding that wave. Like rarely you see a team that's limping into the tournament go on and win six games and hoist that trophy you know it, it, it's like who, whoever has the momentum is that is that team but it's, it's 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 a good bunch it's like seven eight teams that really have a have a chance you know what i mean like kentucky you know that's another team even though <laughs> no fan of them it's no secret you know we couldn't tell, but you know give credit where credit's due calipari has a squad that that's really good um that can do some damage when it's all said and done so um but Look, since you um you know you mentioned being on football now and stuff with the cues, right? <laughs> What's it take? Like, <laughs> and I'll get you out of here. Um, with the cues and all the moves, you know, the change of the staff and everything like that. Like, what's what's your you know? So we'll get the football take, and I'll let you go and have a good night. Um, what's it take on everything that's that's happening right now with cues football? Yeah, I mean, just. Uh, unpacked a, a whole new bag here um <laughs> but uh no i mean they're uh if i were a fan you know they're definitely a frustrating team to to watch um i covered them actually had a lot of fun covering football because cause there's, there's so many players right so uh with cues you know i covered the team in just in 2017 really um and they, there was just so many good stories i love the backstory so that that's separate anyway um look i i don't know i mean i just read a piece i think it was in the bailey orange they had a, a decent piece you know the case for keeping dino babers around definitely would encourage anyone on here who, who likes uh, the football team and you know, a lot of people i think are more more kind of hoops and then don't really watch the football team as much but if if you do uh it was a pretty cool piece it must have been at least a month ago now maybe two months ago um, sort of cases for him made a pretty good case basically said look success takes time uh you know really 
really successful coaches just needed a few years to really work things out. And maybe that's the case here, but in my opinion, it does not seem that way. Uh, they just have one of the least sophisticated recruiting operations. They, they don't seem to be very innovative as, as um, I think was a Dave, right. Who brought up on the NIL. I don't know if they're really um, anywhere near where they should be on that front. Uh, and then just, you know, with all that and to put that on top of the, the inherent challenges of being at Q's, I just think it's a bad, a bad mix. So uh, certainly think Syracuse can, it's possible to turn it around. I mean, a lot of people will, will bash on the area or, you know, who's going to come play here. Um, but, you know, facilities are, that's a fixable thing, right? That's not uh, anything permanent. You can always improve those and you can always get a really charismatic, good coach. Uh, and, and they've had success notably in the, in the nineties, right? Just 20 years ago, really. And of course uh, in the eighties as well. And then, way back when with, with the uh, number 44. So uh, it's not like it's impossible to do. Uh, I just think it's probably going to start with the, with the head coach. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much longer the current staff is, is going to be here, honestly. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I said I was going to let you go, but um, Matthew, a, a special a special individual just jumped in at the last minute, and I want to see if he's going to come on. I'm sure you're familiar with him because he's a rock star on local radio. So, <laughs> hey, Pat, you're, you're there, Pat. You just joined. Hit the request button if you want to join in. I'm going to give you, like, 30 seconds to try to figure it out because I don't know if this is your first time hopping on. <laughs> so, if you want to say something. All right. Matthew, we're going to end it with a, hey, 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 Patrick, get back, because right now I think Patrick's having some technical difficulties, but we're going to end this with a bang, Matthew, because I know you're familiar with, um, you know, Patrick, so all right, he's going to come on and we'll we'll end, I, I promise, we'll end things with him, this will be the last, last guy coming on, so, uh, hey, Pat, Pat. Hey, yeah, I'm... hey, Pat, what's going on? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is the first time on this platform, so I'm, I'm not really familiar with it, but it's nice to see you guys on here. Cool. So, how, so how's everything? Um, how, how you? Uh, honestly, I, I just found out today. I, I finally uh, couldn't dodge the COVID bullet. I just tested positive for COVID. Oh man, I'm sorry. Oh, crazy man. about that. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm uh, I'm doing all right with it. Uh, you know, it's 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 been a long basketball season. Um, Matt, Matt, where where you been? Like, what happened? You you just kind of like disappeared. You down in Florida? <laughs> hey, uh, well, hope first of all, hope you you feel better and, and you know symptoms don't get too uh, too out of control. Um, you know, definitely yeah. hoping that it's pretty quick for you. Um, yeah, so I'm. Uh, I moved to the uh, in August. I moved to the NFL team with the Athletics. So I focus on uh, mostly our breaking news, which we made a bigger effort in. Um, some more like real time type things. Obviously, Sundays were were important, but with injuries and COVID and contracts and coaching changes and uh, Super Bowl, we just wanted to complement all of the feature writing from the. 500 writers in the company just to have a little bit more of a balance and having some short forms, some shorter stuff for, for NFL fans to, to be able to see, you know, for example, like a quick bills recap and then two hours, three hours later, one of our bills writers, uh, you know, works the locker room and, and, and writes a much longer piece with, you know, analysis and quotes. So that's sort of the, 
what I'm up to now. But I'm actually in, in New York right now. Um, actually, Dean, you're from you're from the city, right? Yeah, Bronx. Okay, Bronx. I I, I, th- I thought it was either Brooklyn or Bronx, but um, yeah, so I'm I'm in Brooklyn right now. But uh, yeah, so Matt, yeah, what 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 is your take on? I mean, because preseason, uh, you know, I hear a lot of the talking heads in town and the media that was pretty high on this team, and um, I, I I I never saw it. You know, I, I thought we probably have two more wins right now. But, uh, you know, how surprised are you with, with the lack of closing on games and, you know, with a 200-plus Ken Palm and, you know, how JB's still beating the drum and how he's, you know, keep keeping tabs on Kadari and Quincy and, you know, how he's pushing that narrative. I mean, to me, it's just no, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, well, you know that was coming uh, about uh, you know keeping tabs on the former guys, right? But um, you know, just to, just to rub it in, right? <laughs> Maybe, but I think it's uh, a bad no, look. I, mean, I, I yeah, I just yeah. think it's a bad look. No doubt, and I think you know to the recruiting question. I mean, there's no there's no question. Cues can turn it around on the recruiting front. Uh, you know, like like a lot of things, things sort of just ebb and flow, right? You have a few rough years then you come back and you have some great years and i'm not saying syracuse can't do that but you look at the trend it's certainly not great on the recruiting front and uh I, you know i do think opposing coaches in part of their pitch you know are recruiting against syracuse might be look the showing clips i think we've we've seen that right with all show clips of, of press conferences or him just totally throwing guys under the bus uh out of nowhere and you know, former players, current players. And, you know, I don't know if that's helping, especially now with anyone on, with a smartphone can access all of that in, in a matter of minutes. So that, that, yeah. and that, that wasn't possible 10 years ago. Right. I mean, or not as possible, right. With, without, yeah, and all that. I, I was in the hospitality industry for a long time. So I was privy to a lot of the AAU groups that would come to my hotel. And, um, to be honest with you, I had talked to, um, definitely a, a lot of guys who you know thought jerry was a good guy this and that but you know like go, going back to terrence roberts and and some of these other guys that were just bashed and uh obviously uh roberson um you know those don't sit well with with these aau programs for sure yeah well to your point i mean it seems like you had a, a good perspective and insight but as you probably know i mean you look at these rosters there's they're not getting New Jersey guys anymore. And I think the DO did do a piece two years ago, maybe about, I think some Jersey guy was, was quoted as saying like, that's not a coincidence. You know, Tyler was, was pushed around quite a bit. And I think that that definitely struck a nerve in, in Jersey, which is a loaded, loaded with, with high school talent. Um, yeah. Certainly a lot yeah. more than New York state, you know, um, just, just loaded, especially central and North Jersey. Um, last one I got for you is, yeah. um, Real quick, because I'm gonna I'm gonna rest my voice here. Um, how how much of what you saw with uh, Roberson are you now seeing with the Benny Williams? Because you know he played at a high level. Obviously, he wasn't a featured player last year in high school. He's on a loaded team, as uh, Dean noted in, in, a, in a couple podcasts. But I mean, how much of the you know you look at Roberson's jump shot? You know, it was decent at Q's. It was horrible, and then when he went elsewhere, you know, it was decent. Um, what, what do you think in, uh, about how much the um, lack of confidence from from Jim is is playing in Benny's head? I, I think it's certainly part of it. It would certainly uh, affect me. I think it would affect a lot of 18, 19-year-old kids. Um, you know, that's, that's a very accomplished person, you know, 
bashing you. And I, I think also we have to put it in context, right? In today's age, these guys, you know, some of the younger guys get a bad rap with the always on the phones and maybe lazy, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that stuff aside, like they are put on the pedestal quite a bit. It seems more than they used to be. Um, and just like talked up, you know, from youth sports, right? Everyone's getting a trophy and everybody's the next big thing at their high school. And, you know, every kid thinks they're going pro seemingly more than it used to be. And so I think when you have that and then you go to, you know, really getting critiqued for the first time in a while, and sometimes it might be merited, but when you're really getting critiqued and sometimes it's not um, necessary, that's going to really, I think, affect you more than maybe it otherwise would. So that's to that part. And then, sorry, I didn't answer your, your very first question, which we hit on at the top briefly. Yeah, I was in the camp of this is probably a bubble team. I certainly didn't think the current team was was going to be uh, ranked like a lot of people had said, both nationally and locally. I thought this was a team that lost quite a bit and did a very so-so job of replacing it. Uh, you know, I just thought when you lose Kadari and Quincy and, uh, you know, Alan Griffin, who didn't have a great end, but again, he if you look at his stats, he scored the ball. When, when you lose those guys and Adolajai especially, um, you know, getting like Cole Swider and Jimmy's a smart player, but you know, he was an Ivy league guy. And I just don't know if that's going to replenish those caliber players. Um, and I'm not saying they're all super special, but I just don't know if the, the replenish effort was nearly enough. So yeah, I, I think it, they, they were on track for a bubble team. And to your point, I, I definitely thought they'd be a little better than they've turned out to be. Yeah, um, th- um, pa- um, Pat, uh, as Matthew um, said before you asked the questions, um, wishing you a speedy recovery. Hopefully, um, you know, the symptoms aren't too bad. And, um, you know, I'll check on you on the regular to see how everything's progressing. But, you know, thanks for, you know, still taking the time. You know, you're, you're, you're a real one for that, Pat. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, I'm kind of quarantined in, in, in my own room. I, I got my girls safe upstairs and I'm quarantined. And so I don't really have much else going on. Okay. Um, so no, definitely, definitely saw this on on, on Twitter, and I uh, think th- think it's a great platform. All right, cool, man. Um, yeah, no problem, no problem, and stay safe, my dude. So, um, Matthew, I appreciate you taking the time out. You know, we locked in nearly two hours here, and you know, maybe sometime down the line we could do this again. But I appreciate you, um, being gracious with your time, answering fans' questions, and um. You know, uh, Q's Nation, uh, we'll try to do something when the season wraps up, uh, see how this uh, ACC tournament, we know things get crazy in March, and the ACC tournament is going to be in Brooklyn, so who knows how it's going to shake out. Um, so we'll we'll try to do something then. Uh, Matthew, any last words? You want to plug anything before we go? No, just thanks for having me, Dean. Again, we've talked about it. You have a you know a great podcast and, and- cool to see the spaces thing this is my first time as, as well so um you know hope you continue to, to grow your audience and, and thanks everyone for your questions and for for listening in um i even when i cover the team i always you know despite some of the the, the mediocre bubble years that the fan base was always strong and um, the readership you know definitely was committed um and that's really appreciated it, may, it helped make it uh, a little bit more worth it so thank you all All right, Q's Nation, till the next time, we're out.